Chapter 4, The Grand Corruption We left the last chapter with the shocking cliffhanger that Quain, or Cain, had the face of a Nephal, that is, an offspring of a Watcher. How could that possibly be true or have happened? Well, first of all, the Jews have many writings, that is, according to Dr. Olaf Hagee, alluding to the idea Quain, or Cain, was very different from his brother. At after all, he had the face of a Nephal, it said. Some of those writings claim he had glowing red eyes, glowing skin, and some even say he had horns. Still others claim he grew into a giant. We have no way of verifying those claims, but there's certainly something there. The Genesis story seems to show Quain slew his brother out of jealousy over an offering issue. But personally, I have no doubt it was a much bigger issue, with the offering simply being the straw that broke the camel. You see, if Quain did not look like Adam, which Abel certainly must have, it would have been a major seed of jealousy. Ezekiel 31, verses 8 through 18, enlighten us to the fact that there were many angels or watchers in the Garden of Eden, both good and evil. The dragon that deceived Eve was only one, that is, the greatest and the craftiest of them. Ezekiel 31 shows that there was also a great rivalry going on between them. Let's keep in mind Genesis 6 and Enoch 7 make it abundantly clear some of these watchers were having sex, that is, procreating with human women. And remember, in spite of their actual appearance, they could assume any shape they desired, considering Shinnon, or shapeshifter, is one of the biblical descriptions describing them. With that in mind, is it any stretch of the imagination the dragon so totally bent on revenge to Yahweh in any way possible didn't coerce Eve into having sex with one of them. I imagine the scenario to have gone down something like this. Adam and Eve had not had sex before encountering the reptile. So this Nahash, that is the dragon, presented them with a human-looking man, i.e. an angel, to demonstrate. I'm sure they hyped it up to be the most amazing experience uh, they had ever experienced, and no doubt it was. Then after the watcher demonstrated how it was done with Eve, it was Adam's turn. The result? A double pregnancy. It's a scientific fact two men can impregnate the same woman in the same day, producing very different twins. In fact, when Quain was born, Eve exclaimed, I have gotten a man from God, not Adam. We must keep in mind to Adam and Eve, these watchers, these angels were gods. Besides, Eve was promised at the tree of the knowledge of good and evil they would be like the gods and not surely die, i.e. be immortal, as well as receive vast ethereal knowledge from the gods. That last half of that promise was not a lie, just leaving out the understanding that such ethereal knowledge would destroy their progeny in the long run. This story reveals a theme seen often in Scripture that the Watchers are always working to upstage Yahweh, what he is doing, that is, by doing their immoral counterfeit version first. They first demonstrated this with the firstborn son of Eve being one of theirs. We also see it <clears throat> later with Ishmael being born before Isaac, who was the promised son through whom the salvation of the world would come, and also Abraham being coerced into slaying Isaac. The book of Jasher tells us it was orchestrated by a Watcher. Then there was the extremely hairy, like an animal, Esau, being born before Jacob, just as Quain before Abel. Remember, Jacob was to be the father of the Israelites. 
We again see that upstaging with the watchers, planting their Nephilim offspring, that is the giant tribes, in Canaan before Yahweh brought his people there. According to Jubilees, Noah gave Canaan to Shem, the great-grandfather of Abraham. And the Israelites, not the sons of Ham, came and took it first. We see more watcher upstaging with their false Messiah, Nimrod, building a tower to heaven. Oh, and let's not forget the Immaculate Conception of Horus, that is Tammuz, to Semiramis, that is Ishtar, Isis. In fact, that's the origin of the original mother and child worship. In fact, she apparently originated the practice of temple prostitution and the sacrificing of the babies born of that ritual. Also, the practice of weeping for Tammuz, which included sacrificing of the babies. That's in Ezekiel 8. It's the origin of Lent. Tammuz was another name for Horus, the fertility goddess's supposed immaculately conceived son, which she claims came from heaven in an egg. I can recite more examples of Watcher upstaging Yahweh's plans, but it gets redundant. Getting back to the Watchers, then, they were the first to set up a one-world government, just another plan stolen from Yahweh, which he ultimately will institute. In this new righteous realm, Yahweh's children are going to be given immortality as well as astounding knowledge and ability, making the Watchers' corrupt and counterfeit versions look like worthless shams. The book of Enoch in chapter 8 tells us the knowledge they taught was metallurgy, war, astrology, astronomy, manipulation of plants, roots, paint, and dyes, also witchcraft, magic, sorcery, and even abortion. <clears throat> Shockingly, we're told in Enoch, they not only taught the crafting and wearing of jewelry, but the beautifying of the eyes, i.e. mascara. No doubt there are volumes of things not chronicled, but how amazing to see that ancient knowledge delivered by those rogue watchers is still being practiced thousands of years later. Understanding that ancient history, can there be any doubt how these watcher animals became the gods of old and why all the ancient civilization deified animals? Again, it was because they knew firsthand who the real animals were. They were the angelic animals with vast power and ability. What human society wouldn't be seduced by such beings? Sadly, all that illicit knowledge destroyed, i.e. corrupted humanity, and led to the Great Flood. In reading the account of the Flood by Enoch, we find the righteous angels, i.e. watchers, such as Michael, Gabriel, Raphael, Uriel, and Suriel, being commissioned to round up those rebel watchers and to lock them in the pit, which is some sort of dimensional prison then to bring a flood to drown their Nephilim offspring. Moving on, we find very interesting language in the instructions to Noah to build the ark. It is said that he was perfect or pure in his generations. Just what exactly does that language mean? To best understand, we must bear in mind Yahweh is raising up a family to be like him. But the angelic animals, i.e. watchers, did an astonishing job of their grand corruption by contaminating the human genome with their animal DNA, at least before the Great Flood. Speaking to that grand corruption and Noah being called perfect in his generations, it's no doubt a reference to genealogy. That said, is it possible Noah alone among humanity was uncontaminated contaminated by the animal angels? No doubt it's very important to the Creator 
or creators, that child, their children have pure DNA, i.e. their DNA. An ancient book was discovered called the Book of Noah, containing an incredible story of Noah's mother discovering she was pregnant without having been with a man or her husband Lemek, apparently royalty. In terror, she ran and hid to avoid confronting her husband, the king. But in spite of her best efforts, Lemek one day noticed she had not been seen for months and sent for his servants to find her. To shorten the story, she was found ready to have her baby and brought back to the palace where her husband demanded to know who she had slept with. She insisted she had been with no one, which of course he didn't believe. In frustration, he locked her up for the night until he could decide what to do. But what a shock to return to the palace in the morning to find she had given birth to a baby boy, i.e. Noah, who was already talking and walking. Well, I'm not sure how much of that story can be believed, but it does have some merit. What I mean is, if Genesis 6.12 is telling us the genome of all humanity had been corrupted by the watchers, it had to be corrected. Let's read it. So Yahweh looked upon earth, and indeed it was corrupt, for all flesh had corrupted their way on the earth. The word way there has many symptoms, synonyms leading to the idea that corruption was much more than behavior. Again, is it possible all in that scripture really does mean all? And Yahweh needed to reintroduce new pure DNA into the human genome to restore it to his original? If so, the story of Noah's immaculate conception could well be true. The bottom line, the watchers, especially the dragon, accomplished exactly what they set out to do, that is to corrupt the genome of mankind, but sadly were too foolish and proud to understand the all-powerful and wise creator, Yahweh, would not be defeated and could actually use them for his, his purposes. Unfortunately for those rogue watchers, they are too proud to quit, even though they know they cannot win and will end up in the lake of fire. That's in Revelation 21. Apparently their pride is telling them going into hellfire fighting Yahweh will somehow be worth it. How interesting. We seem to have a whole segment of humanity these days with that same mindset. Those willing to destroy both their nation and themselves for their globalist political causes. The bottom line is the Creator will not be mocked, or defeated for that matter, by these defected angels and their demon spawn. He has set in motion a plan to make everything right and good in the end. He was also not so derelict as to leave us clueless and defenseless. He gave us an operations manual detailing how to be happy, healthy, and prosperous. That, is, that manual is his Torah, meaning instruction. Unfortunately, through the evolution of language, the word Torah lost its original meaning, which again is instruction, not law. In an upcoming chapter, we'll investigate those instructions that were virtually lost due to the translators and religions of the world. But before going into our Creator's biblical outline, I'd like to go in a little different direction. You see, after personally experiencing and seeing hundreds of supernatural events in my life, it left me well beyond the ability to deny the existence of the spirit realm. That connection has given me insights the average person just can't begin to understand and or believe. But those supernatural miracles just referenced were only the beginning. After discovering and embracing that is honoring the Creator's true names, it was literally stepping into a whole new existence of protection, provision, and understanding. 
This is, this is a new existence I truly wish the entire world to experience. That said, the next chapter was written to share a small sampling of some of those supernatural events contributing to the ability to comprehend and accept the shocking truth of the Bible as well as our human condition, not to mention the amazing future awaiting us. Hopefully it will be helpful for you as well.